Okay, shall we? Uh, sure. Right. Paul, are you recording? <laughs> yeah, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Welcomes you to another Doom-approved episode of Funny Books with Doombot Aaron and Doombot Polly. Doom decrees that you will enjoy this episode. Failure to comply with decreed episode enjoyment will be dealt with in the most stern manner available. That is all. with Aaron, Polly, and Tim. I'm Aaron. <laughs> this is Paul. And this is Tim. Well, good morning, fellas. Hey, what's up? I think it's funny because you, you, you hesitated. You're like, it's very, is this like the first time Wayne's missed the podcast in ever? You know, it's, oh, uh, I, I think there have been times when he's like, you know, running off to have his third Thanksgiving or something. But, uh, uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's rare that the Wayner isn't here. I mean, I don't know how we get through through this show without the Wayne train, Paul. With significantly less interruptions. Well, and there'll be almost zero percent discussion of the Superman novel. Oh, so. or Paul's mom. <laughs> or Lego. <laughs> well, I I I got a, an email from Wayne asking me to cover him on that. So. Oh, all right. Oh no, I, I Paul's, Paul's mom. <laughs> That'll edit right out. You can just clip in the Mikey Mason joke of Paul's mom at the end. Uh, uh, no. So, you know, I'm glad to see that, uh, you know, our corporate sponsors didn't decide to pull the show this week, uh, you know, in favor of uh, you know, appeasing North Korea. Well, we have Laveria supporting us even more. True. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, this week. Seth Rogen and uh, James Franco's uh, movie uh, was announced that they will not be releasing it in theaters. Now, what I thought was interesting yesterday, Sony said, you know, because, you know, North Korea's, you know, such douchebags, we're just not going to release this. And and they said yesterday, I think it was it was either Friday or Thursday, they said that they had no plans on, you know, doing anything with this film, that they were, you know, not releasing it and had no plans to release it. And then when God and everybody, you know, came out and said, hey, you know, you're letting the terrorists win, jackass Sony Corp. Um, they came back and said, no, no, we're just not releasing on Christmas Day. We're figuring something else out. Jackass Sony. <laughs> I don't know. You know it's one of those it, – it is a lose-lose situation for Sony. You know what they? You know what Sony needs to do? Number one, they need to grow a pair. You know, you decided to make this ridiculous movie. You need to just stand by it. But I, I get that you don't want to put – you don't want to take the the very minimal risk, I think, but, but a risk nonetheless of endangering people by releasing it in theaters. I think you just release it for free. I think you just put it out there and you say, help yourself. You don't let you don't let North Korea win in this uh, by, by, you know, suppressing freedom of speech. Yeah, but the threats apparently were have also come against Sony for releasing it at all. Like if you release it at all, remember, we still have all your personal information. Yeah, but I mean, they're going to they're hackers. You can't trust those guys. They're going to fuck Sony no matter what Sony does. And really, I think the damage is done. Yeah, I have I have a guy in a guy's fox mask in Tampa working on this problem. <laughs> he is going to solve it. <laughs> Sadly, I think the guy in the guy fox mask is uh, working on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> Sony's the man in this in this situation. I don't. I don't. Nah, whatever. Right, <laughs> <laughs> I, I I hear you, Aaron, and I agree with your. I it's it's hard for me to not. 
agree with both sides of the situation in that I, I feel like Sony pushed out by not releasing the film in any form or fashion. But I, you know, but I also feel like if they had released the film and one person got murdered, they, it would be on their heads and everyone well, would be against Sony anyways. So ultimately the that, decision came in making the film. Well, I, I, I completely agree. I think it was a it was a spectacularly stupid decision to make this movie. You know, I, I think that it was irresponsible. Um, I, I don't I don't know why they thought this was a good idea. I th- it reminds me of somebody who, who decides to pull a prank and then doesn't realize that there's consequences on the other side. You know, I, I, this is this this was a spectacularly stupid move. But if you're going to be stupid, lean into it. And I and, and again, you know, don't I, I'm fine. You know, they're, they're, they have already the forty four million dollars they put into making this film is already lost. The additional forty million dollars that they put into marketing it already lost. So if you're going to lose, if you cannot turn this into a profitable venture, why not look cool? Why not just say, you know what? You will not suppress our freedom of speech. While this movie may have been in bad taste, and I think it is, I think that that you come out and you say, you know what? We stand by our artist's right to be in bad taste, and here, here's your movie for free. And you make it free in all the outlets. You make it free on iTunes. You make it free on Amazon. You make it free on YouTube. You make it free everywhere. That's what I would do. Yeah. And you, you, I mean you've heard people like BitTorrent is like, let us distribute it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Put it on Pirate Bay for crying out loud. The, well, the, the rest of your Sony catalog already is. <laughs> well, I don't think they can put it out on Pirate Bay necessarily since Pirate Bay doesn't exist. No, no. But they've got the, the old the piratebay.org is up, Paul. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> I the just, tribute site to Pirate Bay. Yeah. <laughs> Merry Christmas from Doom. Doom wishes you and your useless loved ones a happy holiday in the service of Doom. Once you have provided your tithe to Doom, he hopes that you can provide good, moderately priced accoutrements for your loved one's enjoyment this holiday season. That is all. I, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm bummed because I was actually looking forward to the film. I was, I was, you know, I, I wasn't going to see it on Christmas Day, but I was going to see it probably opening weekend. Yeah. I'm bummed because it is a suppression, not necessarily a free speech, but but it's it is a suppress it is censorship, yeah. I guess, and so it's it, it's a and it, so it's a bummer and well and I think uh, we can all agree that that you know Kim Jong Un is a bad guy, right? I mean I think I yeah. think you know from from just about any corner of society except perhaps the Taliban, uh, I think we're all going to agree this guy's a bad guy. You know, and it reminds me of Charlie Chaplin's uh, film, The Great Dictator, mm-hmm. um, you know, and Hitler would have absolutely have tried to suppress that film if he'd had the ability. So, you know, it's like letting Hitler win. Basically, that's what we've done. That's what we've done here today. We've let Hitler win. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the damage is already done to Sony. Mm. I, I don't mean, know how I don't know how Sony didn't get doesn't get bought up. I don't know how that how. With the dismal, you know, situation that they have over on their electronics division, and now their entertainment division has taken such a hit, I don't know how somebody doesn't go in and just buy up Sony. Like Kim, Kim Jong Un, he'll buy it. Yeah, maybe, maybe North Korea is going to own Sony. I, I just, I don't. They have been hemorrhaging money for years, and the only thing that make, was making money over there was their entertainment division and video games. Yeah. You know, and they've they've had so many troubles with you know the PlayStation security, and now trouble with their entertainment security. I mean, good God! Ooh. You know what they? What, you know what? You know what Sony Corp needs to do? Hire some fucking ninjas to protect that shit. That's what they need to do. Aaron, now's your chance to make them an offer. <laughs> five five bucks. <laughs> Aaron, Sony Corp. And we'll be streaming the interview live on inter- on ideologyofmadness.com. For free. For free. Well, <laughs> I don't know. Well, with the, with, there'll be a handling fee. Yeah. <laughs> it's some advertiser dollars. Should you require an extension on your Doom Tithe, all requests can be sent directly to Doom, who will crush you with his iron hand. Now enjoy this Doom-approved Christmas special. That is all. But, you know, Paul, you know, this week we have ended 50 years of, uh, of, 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 of chill between the United States and Cuba. 
And you know, you know, people in 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 my sector are uh, all very excited that you know Cuban cigars will now begin flowing freely between the the golden shores of Cuba and the United States of America. Um, and you know, as we see these relations warming up, I think we have to ask a question: that if America can 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 heal this wound between Cuba and the U.S. If we can, if we can seal that breach, how much further are we from doing the same with Latveria? I think it's is just a matter a of big, time. Is there a big market for Latvian cigars, Aaron? Well, yeah, you know, the Latvian cigar market is uh, is is quite premier. I mean, it's much harder to get a Latvian cigar than a Cuban cigar. I gotta say. I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> the, uh, the problem with Latvian cigars is that they're laced with nanites. <laughs> so Aaron is half Doombot right now. <laughs> Mostly Doombot. Mostly Doom. Really, more like ninety-five percent. But you know, I mean, you know, think about it. You know, before you know it, we could be, you know, touring. We could be vacationing over in Latveria. You know, you could be enjoying some of that, you know, great Latverian chocolate. Um, Watching you know, the interview the, 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 in the Latverian movie theaters. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think this is a big thing. I think this is a huge opportunity. I like it. You know, come see the scenic shores of Latveria. <laughs> is, is Latveria on a coast or is it landlocked? I don't believe it's landlocked. I, I think that they, you know, they're, they're right there on the Latverian uh, peninsula. <laughs> <laughs> we, I know my 616 geography really well. I'm going to look it up. <laughs> Not right now because that's bad radio, but eventually. Well, I, I I think that we should you know immediately now seek sponsorship from Latveria and Victor Von Doom. I think we already you know? have it. I think he listens every week. Awesome, awesome. Mm-hmm. So you, welcome to state sponsored radio, Funny Books with Aaron and Polly. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't say anything out of turn, Tim. They'll take you out. Right. I'm just thinking, is, is that Latvian travel board taken on Twitter? <laughs> if not, Doom, it is Doombots, now. Doombots can be at your home at any moment. No, you just send out tweets the whole time about coming to scenic Latveria. Right. And then just show scenes of, like, any Marvel comic books in <laughs> <laughs> Oh, sorry. Uh, like the bodies was... of Captain America and Falcon <laughs> lying on the shores. Right, right. Right. Nation- nationalist heroes. <laughs> Civic pride. No, that's the title of it. Civic pride. <laughs> God. Uh, I like it. <laughs> so, Paul. Yes, sir. You know, George Lucas went in and he remastered those, uh, you know, first three Star Wars films. And everyone loved it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what's funny to me about it? So apparently – like all this – the rumor is back up that in time for the release of The Force Awakens next year, they will be releasing remastered without new you know, without new special effects or anything, but the original um, Star Wars theater editions, yeah. the original theater releases on Blu-ray, and uh, you know, it, which makes sense. I mean – I'm so hot for that. Yeah. I think that's a great idea. I hope they do make it happen. Apparently, there's just a lot of issues with trying to get their hands on the original negatives and all that. Um, just because of damage. But Marvel has announced that they are remastering their original Star Wars adaptations. And that's the Howard Chaykin comic from uh, a la 1977. Mm-hmm. Right? Something like that, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, I'm sure it's around 77. It's, uh, so I'm, I'm double-checking this now, but they are releasing it as an oversized hardcover. And I, I'm... I'm a little bit surprised. You're right. It is penciled by Howard Chaykin, written by Roy Thomas. Right. It's under a new cover by Adi Granov and is coming out in May 2015. You know, I it was funny. You know, I bought those comics when I was a kid mm-hmm. and, and actually read the first issue of the Star Wars comic before I actually saw Star Wars. And as a kid, the Howard Chaykin artwork it didn't resonate with me. Uh, you know, I enjoyed the movie a whole lot more than I enjoyed the comic. But I think I might – I think I – I think I might like that more now. I think I might like the style of that comic more yeah. now. Well, and the remastering ultimately isn't necessarily changing the uh, all of the art. 
Right. They are recoloring it by Chris Sotomayor, well, you know, uh, computer colors. And I would think that uh, the recoloring would be amazing on that book. Because, you know, the, the colors, you know, 1977 and on actual newsprint when it was printed at the time, the colors were very basic. Yeah. yeah and they, there, they, there wasn't a lot of dynamism in those colors. Yeah. And they've posted some previews of it yeah. and it looks gorgeous. It looks absolutely gorgeous. I think I'm going to have to get me some of that. I'm a little surprised that they didn't go with the option of just redoing it. Right. You know, I mean. Well, but I think Howard Chaikin, you know, is the grand old man of comics right now. Right. Yeah. So I, so if you've got he's the dirty old man of comics, that's true, too. But, you know, he I think that if you've got the the name of Howard Chaikin on it, you you preserve those pencils. Well, and maybe they're doing both. <laughs> maybe they'll rematch yeah. the originals and do a new adaptation. Maybe. You know, it just seems surprising to me that they don't have like, a, you know, a, a Stuart Amon and oh, Star Wars, you know, adaptation so or something, you know, a Sarah so Pacelli, something like that. Yeah, I um. I, I'm ex- I'm excited about it though. I will absolutely be picking up the the hardcover. I love Adi Granov's cover for it. It's a it, it's an exciting time as a Star Wars fan. Oh yeah. You know I, I I'm so the other day I signed up for a race. I'm doing a race down in Florida uh, the first weekend of May. It's on May second. Are you running does it, down? Does to an alligator chase you? Uh, no, <laughs> that's no. your race. It's, he has it, to run through the swamp, and at nice. the same time, it's it's called the the uh, most dangerous race nice. because he's being hunted at the same time. Okay, so <laughs> he's getting chased by gators, and then he has to steal like something one of the swamp people. Well, yeah, and he has to, uh, you know, he ha- it, it's like a triathlon, so you know he's got to oh. run through the swamp, swim through the swamp. And then, you know, ride the uh, the fan boat through the swamp. I like it. You know what's funny is you're actually closer than you realize. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's in Disney World after dark, and it does include an obstacle course and um, scavenger hunt as part of the run. So, I mean, there's a little bit of – it's not just a straight run. But I realized that I'm going to be there for Avengers release date for this run. Oh, yeah. And for Star Wars Day. And for free comic book day, all on the same weekend. It's convergence, Paul. <laughs> I mean, that first weekend of May is just like, like you said, just everything all at once. We're just going to jam it all in one weekend. Well, you know, the North Koreans are going to pull the plug on all of that, though. <laughs> yeah, because they control. <laughs> well, as long as they don't pull the plug on my loot crate. So tell me about loot crate, Paul. You, you told me you signed up for the loot crate. Well, you know, I've always been curious about these, like, boxes of uh, – Random shit. Random yeah. shit that come every month. I mean, there's Loot Crate, there's Nerd Block, there's um, the there's like a horror one, Box of Dread, I think is what it's called. Um, and, you know, I've seen a couple of them, and some of them seem pretty cool, and some of them seem pretty fucking lame. Right. Uh, but, you know, Loot Crate has gotten some exclusive deals lately, and so their December Loot Crate box is – the theme is Anniversary – and it includes a very special – it includes some exclusive um, – an exclusive Batman Funko figure that's basically a Jokerized Batman, um, an exclusive Batman comic, like an exclusive edition of Batman number 37. It also apparently has some Ghostbusters stuff. Um, I mean just a number of different things. And so I thought I'd so give – So this is the one you're going – this is, this is the crate you're going to get or it's the, the, the previous crate? I'm getting I'm getting this crate the that the one that with the bat. I didn't think stuff. that they told you what was in it before you could order. I thought you had to kind of like, you know, luck yeah. of the draw kind of thing. Um, some com- <laughs> they haven't, but some companies have like announced, hey, we're gonna have, you know, like DC's announced, hey, we're gonna have this in the, in the December ah, loot crate. That gotcha. Kind of thing. I see. So the, the people who are supplying it have re- have revealed what's gonna be in it. Exactly. So gotcha. you'll so you'll know the theme. Like September's loot crate was galactic, and apparently it included some stuff from Alien and Star Wars and Battlestar Galactica, that kind of thing. Gotcha. And so I'm, I'm curious. I mean, here's the thing. The, the reason I have hesitated to do this before is, quite honestly, I just have too much shit already. <laughs> and getting more random shit just seemed like a bad idea because, I mean, right, right. I don't want to get a box of like 10 different things when you know I'm, I may not like any of them. Right. But I knew I was going to want some of these items, so that's why I went for it. I'm, I'm very curious. I mean, I, I've never done this before. Some people really like it. It seems to be about 20 bucks a month, but you get at least $40 worth of stuff. Right. I don't know. It, it, I, I'm curious. I have Paul, been – go ahead, Tim. I'm sorry. I was going to say, Paul, this falls in line with your fiscal responsibility, so I am not surprised. <laughs> Doom decrees that Christmas will be now known as Doommas. 
Have yourself a merry doomus. That is all. I I have been very curious about Loot Crate. And, you know, I'll see people will unbox it. And you'll go, oh, man, that looks pretty cool. But I just always feel like, you know, that I'd be signing on after the last cool thing happened. And and every every month thereafter is my little pony theme. Well, see, you know, you know I was just I was just thinking that it's like, oh, this is the best idea ever. So we we have something called Crap Crate, and you buy it for that frenemy of yours, uh-huh. and so you have a really nice box, and you just fill it like the dollar store shit. <laughs> like, why aren't we doing this? We would make so much money. I could totally do a, a you know a funny crate with uh, uh, comic books without their with their digital codes used. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so if someone wants to sign up for a funny crate, 20 bucks a month and you get $40 yeah. worth of used comics. you got to give them Jonathan Landreth's comics that you know have basically done everything but, but been used to wipe his ass. <laughs> <laughs> Here's 40 pounds of X-Factor. <laughs> no. Here's all of Matt Fraction's run on X-Men. Oh, God. <laughs> Here's X-Men Forever from Chris Claremont. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the Richter Shatterstar X Force love oh, thing. We're gonna have to call it Landreth Crate and uh, do this. <laughs> I think he'd prefer. This is a called... great idea. <laughs> I think he'd prefer it to be called the John Box. I think <laughs> the John Box. I like it. Uh, you know, I, I think that we that we uh, prequeled this. You know, that, that we we piloted this with uh, one of our original giveaways. You know, a hundred books that might not suck. <laughs> That's true. We started yeah. this whole thing. Yeah, we did. We, we did. you know what? Like seriously, we should put up like a Patreon thing and say the first person to donate twenty bucks gets gets one of our crab crates. Yeah. <laughs> like this is a really good idea. Like I don't even know if this should be at the podcast. It's gonna yeah. be. I, I, I totally have probably about 200 comics that I don't know what the hell to do with. There you oh, yeah. go. I yeah. like it. I, you know yeah. what? If you're listening now, start making some comments on this podcast, ideologyofmenace.com, <laughs> or leave us a voicemail. Yeah. You're going you're gonna to get more than your money's worth? Yeah. Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> you may not be happy about spending the money, hey. but you're certainly going to get more than it's worth. These comics must have been from Aaron. They all smell like cigars. <laughs> They all smell like Latverian cigars. <laughs> this must be from Wayne because they smell like cats. Yeah. <laughs> this has got a little blood on it. Must be Tim's. <laughs> and this is a crappy comic. It might have come from Paul. Yeah. And the, and this other 80 comics, this must have come from Paul because he's the only one that would spend money on this. It's a yeah. box of nothing but Spaceman. <laughs> Oh my god. If we could get all four spacemen together for the first crap grade, that's great. All four first issues. Yep. We could sign them too. That'd be Personally awesome. sign them. Two Paul, fuck you. <laughs> uh, hey, speaking of crappy comics, uh-huh. so DC released their solicitation for March. Uh-huh. And that's not to say DC's crappy, but they have canceled. Or not, I shouldn't say canceled. Everyone knows that DC at the end of March is like doing this big thing. You know, convergence starts, and um, you know there, there's like this at post convergence. No one knows what the DC universe is going to look like. But th- there, a number of books are coming to an end in March. Like it says, series finale, including Green Lantern Corps, Star Spangled War stories, Infinity Man and the Forever People, Secret Origins, Red Lanterns, Swamp Thing. Aquaman and the Others, Clarion, Trinity of Sin, Batwoman, World's Finest, Arkham Manor, Injustice Gods Among Us Year 3, Batman Eternal, Future's End, and World's End. You know, the uh, a lot of those make sense because they're you know tying into that new God storyline. Yeah. Right? Uh, but the only book in there I'm sad to see go is Injustice Gods Among Us. Well, that's Year 3, yeah. so there may be a Year right. 4. But, I mean, I mean, that would be my guess because I think that book is actually doing really well. But the most of the most of that other stuff, I mean, Aquaman and the others, crap. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, and, and but I'm, some of these have been there since the beginning. Red Lantern, yeah. Swamp Thing. Um, yeah, but Bat I don't Woman. think Red Lantern's ever found its groove. I mean, I've re- I've read some issues of that. And I just don't think that book knows what it is. Yeah, same here. And some of them are brand new. Arkham Manor yeah. just started. Yeah, well, and uh, you know, GI Stories, uh, you know, is is fairly new. Yeah. So I mean it. I know DC's building towards this, uh, you know, t- towards convergence, and so some of these titles may return as something else. There may be more titles ending in April. I don't know because I think 
for April and May, everything is going to be convergence. Yeah. Well, and we'll talk a little bit more about this, I think, when we talk about multiversity here in just a few minutes. But yeah. uh, uh, I, I, I think we're starting to see where DC is going and I'm a little excited about it. I am, too. And so let's talk about a DC book uh, okay. that came out this week because you and I have differing opinions on it. Yeah. Based on the fact that we had a conversation earlier this week. <laughs> that you weren't included in, Tim. <laughs> Shocked. <laughs> so Batman number 37. Yeah. You thought this was just a mediocre issue. I did. I did. I, I, and, you know, here's my problem. Every book that Scott Snyder does right now with Batman is some horrible, terrible thing that brings Gotham to ruins. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm sick of it. I mean – you can't have Gotham crumbling in on itself every issue and expect it, number one, to have any emotional weight and number two, to have any sense of reality that people would fucking stay there. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's already stretching, stretching uh, plausibility enough that, you know, you've got crazy guys like the Joker and the Riddler and, you know, uh, uh, Mr. Freeze and whatnot rampaging across town. You know, uh, and people would live there. But, you know, that the fact that the, the, the city is almost nuked for crying out loud in year zero that, uh, you know, you've got, uh, you know, Joker doing his, you know, gassing the entire city. I mean, I just I think the stakes need to be brought in to be a little bit more personal rather than than so wide sweeping. And it just it makes it where I just don't care. I just don't care. I don't agree with that point of view. <clears throat> I do think that they do need to personalize the stakes on these Batman titles a little bit. Like the first story arc, the Court of Owls, the entire city wasn't at stake. You know, it was Batman, and then there was revealed that yeah, Thomas, and, you know, that his brother. Right, and I agree. I the Court of Owls story, fantastic, mm-hmm. because you know the stakes were Batman. You know, I mean, it was not we're going to destroy your entire city. It was we're going to destroy you. Yeah, you know, and. That's, I mean, that's what I really re- responded to in the in the, the Court of Owls story. Well, in the original Joker story, the death of the family was very specifically Batman's crew and, in danger. Now, I, I agree that, you know, this new storyline, you know, from a standpoint of we just saw this happen to Zero Year, and now everyone in Gotham is basically it, – it's basically a zombie story. Right. But th- there was some genuine – good stuff in this issue i mean there were some intense scenes for me anyway i thought that the book was intense i enjoyed the storyline quite a bit this is one of my favorite issues of batman i think from snyder and capullo i i think so i thought it was very well drawn i I thought greg capullo drew a beautiful book i didn't care for the story see so one one of the aspects that i liked the most is you know jim gordon is doing some research on the old gotham hospital that apparently joker has been using as a base of operations and he's uncovered some photography from 1910 and 1946 and even from when uh, Barbara was a little girl that shows that Joker may in fact be immortal. You see Joker in you know the 1910 f- photograph. You see Joker in the 1946 photograph. Um, like it, it, it's hinting that Joker may be the devil himself. Um, and in this issue, spoilers on, you know he shoots Joker dead in the heart and Joker gets back up. And of course, all of this can be explained away with doctored, photo- pho- ugh, doctored photographs and you know whatever. But I mean, th- that scene with Jim Gordon and the Joker, I thought that was great. I thought that was intense. I thought it was scary. I thought it was really well done. Um, I liked that storyline. I mean, it's, it loses a little bit of its impact because it's very similar to something that I know you guys didn't read, which is the Doctor Hurt storyline that Grant Morrison did which was basically the same implication that he may have been the devil. But I don't know. I, I, I really liked that that aspect of the storyline. Seems like it didn't resonate with you, though, Eric. It didn't. I just – I didn't care for it. And, I, and I'll tell you, it's the only uh, book I didn't enjoy this week from DC Comics. Hmm. That's fine. Yeah. I mean I, 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 I loved I it. Tell, I thought it was great. And I hated the backup feature. I, and I, I will say I skipped the backup feature because I've hated the last two issues. Yeah. I, I just I don't know I don't I don't want to leave the Batman book I don't want to say you know I'm done I'm out but that's what, what I f- I'm feeling like right now because hmm. it just it it is too much like zero year I see your point I do I, I just I, I have a differing opinion I enjoyed it very much I enjoyed the horror aspects and I, I hope I think that he wraps I think those it up el- well 
those elements would have resonated better for me if it hadn't been if the, the setting wasn't so similar. Um, and, you know, really, I, the Gotham and Ruins story that, that works for me is No Man's Land. And you're never going to do No Man's Land better than those guys did uh, back in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't try, <laughs> you know, yeah. go do something else. Figure out, you know, I, I get so frustrated where people feel like the only way you can raise the stakes with Batman is by bringing Gotham down around his ears. And that's not true. You know, I, I, I want to see, you know, Batman threatened other ways. Let's not just always run to we're going to destroy Gotham. Okay. No, I see your point. I do. But well, uh, I wish I, I could see yours, Paul. I wish I could. Well, one of us is right. <laughs> <laughs> Doom decrees that all holidays are now Doom Days. That is all. Well, I think that we might all agree about Batman and Robin number 37. And Tim, this is your book. This one was written just for you. This was a love letter to Tim. Man, when when they when Damien okay, when Damien like sat up and Bruce hugged him, that was it. it was just that was it. <laughs> <laughs> It's like our long national nightmare is over. <laughs> Damian Wayne is back. <laughs> I, um, I, I've, I, you know, I read this book and I thought about it. It's like I don't remember the last time Batman was this reckless. Like reckless, like you know, he's been pushed before. But I'm like, I got the very real sense. It's like this is a dumb idea. <laughs> like oh, yeah. when, yeah. when, when he's when Darkseid. Which, by the way, the, the way they drew Darks, I was fucking brilliant because yeah. they did exactly what Aaron said. He is loomingly large. Yeah. Even in his, like, Hellbat suit, it is not close at all. And I'm like, just like, this is a dumb idea, Bruce. <laughs> this is terrible. It's not like he's in there, right? And then, you know, <laughs> he, he accomplishes the impossible. Which in DC Comics isn't really impossible. It happens all the time. But, you know, suspending that. But the journey makes it feel like it wasn't just, you know, it, it wasn't just going to happen. You know, Batman oh, yeah. had to work for this. Batman had to Batman had to risk. He had to commit. You know, this wasn't just a, hey, Damien's back in the next issue. It wasn't, hey, let's go back in time. You know, Captain America lost in time. Man out of, man out of time. Nah, 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 nah. Man out of time. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it wasn't that. It was. It, it no. did not seem like a cheap return. We we actually got to to we got to mourn him, and we had the appropriate mourning period. And you know, yeah, there was a book or two there that didn't work, but you know, we did get to mourn him. We got to see you know Batman lose his shit. You know, we got to see Batman dissect Frankenstein. Yeah, uh, you know. Right? I, I mean, you're right. He was reckless. I mean, this it just shows that this is Bruce's blind spot. You know, this is where 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 Bruce loses all rationality. But and this, you can totally understand that too. This book was drawn beautifully. I mean, Patrick Gleason just murdered these pages. The the scene where Darkseid is standing on Bruce's head, and oh, you yes. get that shot inside the Hellbat beautifully rendered you knew exactly what he's showing you i mean he, he he's just such a fantastic storyteller you know you got the you got the very real sense that bruce was dying in that suit yeah. every second yeah yeah no it was it was amazing it was an amazing book and the scene where he's standing there with the hellbat and you've got titus there in front of him you know titus who has no superpowers other than he's batman's dog it's a badass page. I'm like, I need a poster of this. <laughs> I, I just, I, you know, Titus is so badass and just, I love it. I love it. This book was great and, and made, made the entire series worthwhile. Yeah. And one of my favorite dark side fight sequences ever. Yeah. I mean, just a badass. I mean, it, you know, a number of full page spreads, two page spreads. I mean, this is. You know, this is Doomsday versus Superman, you know, yeah. type fighting. Yeah. I mean, and Batman is you, – you can tell Batman is half the height right. of Darkseid. I mean, he's minuscule and he, he – I mean, it's 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 a tough fight. But at the end, yeah. you know, he kicks Darkseid's ass just barely. You know, I get that feeling. It's like when he did that move with the shard, he's like, well, what do you think the odds were on that? It's like, eh, 20 percent in my favor. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, <laughs> I, I love when he 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 uses that you know chest cannon or whatever that thing yeah. is on, on his emblem, and he and he 
just blasts the living tar out of out of Darkseid, and you just see Darkseid crumpled against a wall with a a, a burn mark in the bat sh- in the bat signal with a silhouette of Darkseid there. Yes, and I'm like, this is awesome. <laughs> this is just awesome. Yeah, so. I'm 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 glad. To, I mean, Tim, much like you, I'm I'm super glad to see Damian back. That that two page spread where they're just hugging and. Everyone's looking on dumbfounded. Even Titus is like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he- so we don't get to see it in this book, in the story itself. We do see it in, in the uh, the back pages from DC. But apparently Damien came back with superpowers. Yes. I'm not sure how I feel about that, but I'm, I'm okay with – just having him back is, uh, is enough for me to be like, whatever. We'll figure it out, right? Well, I think we're going to basically see, Dam- you know, Pete Tomasi as the uh, steward of Damian Wayne's story going forward, and I have faith in him. Yeah, no, yeah. No, I do too. I do too. Yeah, I mean, because uh, you know, I, I don't. He he's he doesn't seem to have a place in Scott Snyder's Batman book or any of the other Bat books. Right. You know, it seems like this is the place for Damian Wayne. Well, so, and I'm okay, I'm with, okay that. with that. Yeah, ditto. I I and I've I've said it before. This is my Batman book. You know, I, I much more enjoy the, mm-hmm. the the Bruce Wayne that I get in Batman and Robin than I do in the Scott Snyder Batman book. So, I agree, and I, and that's the beauty of, of them having so many Batman books. You know, you can have a Batman book for everybody. Agreed. You know, they ha- they have a Batman book for Wayne as well. He wears a hoodie. <laughs> <laughs> He's hoodie Batman. Hoodie Bat. <laughs> so, Aaron, sir, let's talk a little bit about this week's. Grant Morrison Multiversity book. Yes, uh, Thunderworld Adventures. So I read the first issue of Multiversity, and I don't think we actually talked about it on the podcast, but I pretty much t- despised it. Oh yeah, it was terrible. It's a terrible book. And you know, it, the Multiversity just seems like the Grant Morrison book that that they were talking about for years, but no one really gives a crap about. Yeah. Like I mean, th- this thing has been years in the making, and now that it's out, I don't really see much press for it. I don't see many people foaming at the mouth for it and uh you know i'm i'm i certainly just am not have a general disinterest in it but you know i do like shazam as a character right. and i was curious i mean i wouldn't say excited but i would say curious about this you know this week's book which is thunderworld adventures which is you know the shazam world and you the know written by morrison shazam world. Yeah. correct with art by cameron stewart yeah correct so it's not new 52 shazam yeah, and let's take a moment. Yeah, you know, Cameron Stewart did the art on this book. This book is beautiful. It is gorgeous. This book is a gorgeous book. Um, I, 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 regardless of what you think of Grant Morrison's writing, uh, you just take the word balloons out of this book, and it's just stunning to look at. Yeah, it. it I mean, and I, I've enjoyed Cameron Stewart's art before, but this book is just like this nice mix between a modern sensibility uh-huh. and that you know, good old '60s comic book vibe. I mean, yeah. it's just it, it's just perfect all ages drawing. Yeah. And I got to tell you, I know it's a Grant Morrison book, but it didn't have his usual weird ass tropes. I mean, there was a bit. Yeah. There, but I mean, very enjoyable book. And, I you know, ha- having not read the rest of the multiversity books, I only read that first issue. Um, I was able to I understood exactly what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a great done in one story. And man, it was so nice to visit this universe again. Oh, yeah. I mean, so the basic premise is that, you know, mad scientists from all across the multiverse are c- communicating to each other through comic books. Um, you know, at least that's the impression I got. And yeah, so now no, that's, these, what, that's, that's what's happening. Yeah. And so these Dr. Savannah's from de- various universes have teamed up to uh, to alter the cosmic calendar. As it were, and gives to add Dr. an eighth day to add an eighth day Savannah day, and it's just so cool. And I love the uh, the Hannibal Lecter uh, Doctor Savannah, uh huh, because he's so out of place and so weird. Yeah, but I yeah, thought this book was fantastic. I loved it. I did too, and you know, I loved the I, I, I love the Savannah family. You know, because uh, mm-hmm. you know Savannah, you know, get collects all this suspendium. Uh, from the other universes, though he he thought that he got one supply and he actually got a shorted supply. Uh, so his his Savannah day isn't an actual twenty four hour day; it's like an eight hour day. 
And uh, this, of course, causes all of his plans to fall to ruin. But the the family that he creates, I just love them. I mean, I just I did. I mean, I was like, golly, this is this is exactly what I want to read in a Shazam story. Don't get me wrong. I really enjoyed the the Jeff Johns Shazam stories. Really do. I think I think those I think those are a vast improvement on the character. But it's still it was nice to visit this universe. And there are a couple of things like uh, Mary Marvel. You know, they're talking about the alternate alternate universes. And she's like, I wonder if I'm very different in the other universes. You know, and I'm thinking, of course, to, you know, back when uh, she was Black Mary. Yeah. (laughs) You know, you're a little bit different. You're a little bit different. That skirt's a little shorter. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, I adored this book. I mean, if DC wanted to do an all ages book, because, I mean, generally, for the most part, this is all ages. There are a couple of aspects that are not. Yeah. But for the most part, it is. I mean, it's just so well done. I really enjoyed this book. And tell me that the Lieutenant Marvels weren't a whole lot of fun. Oh, yeah. You know, with the tiger head guy. Tawny. (laughs) This was great. I did. I I rather enjoyed this. Now, am I going to pick up the next issue of Multiversity? No. No, but, you know, I'll tell you, I'll hunt and peck them just like I did this one. You know, because there were were giant monsters in this book, um, giant robots. you know, all kinds of good stuff. I mean, there, the next one appears to be the Multiversity Guidebook. Yeah, I'm not getting that. Well, I mean, I mean I'm curious. I'll check it out. It looks like it has Clarion. So I don't know. I, but, I mean, I enjoyed this book very much. I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot. It's not enough to make me get all into to Multiversity, but uh, I liked this. So last month we talked about Justice League number 36. And, you know, it's the start of the Amazo, or, you know, the continuation of the Amazo virus storyline by Jeff Johns and Jason Fabok. And I, I, I think we all liked it. Mm-hmm. But I had also read Wonder Woman number 36 the same week, which was the first issue by Meredith and David Finch. And I had expressed how, how much more favorable Wonder Woman was portrayed in Justice League in a team book than she was in in her own book. And, you know, having picked up issues 37 of both titles, I feel even stronger that this new Wonder Woman creative team is just missing the mark on the character, which really bums me out because, I mean, there's a scene in Wonder Woman, in uh, Justice League number 36, where Batman and Superman are, are kind of losing the battle to this new Amazo. And Wonder Woman just comes up behind him, wraps her lasso around him and like takes him down. It's a two-page spread, and it is Mm -hmm. gorgeous. I mean, Wonder Woman is drawn so fantastically. And you know this, but you know, you you flip back over to to David Finch's Wonder Woman, and she's just, I mean, she's portrayed kind of like an idiot, you know. And you know, the the only reason I gave this this issue a second shot, this uh, series a second shot, because I didn't like issue thirty-six, was that I heard Donna Troy comes back in issue thirty-seven, which is true. And, of course, she's butterball naked when she first comes back. And I'm like, awesome. Yeah, awesome. But, you know, it's just like, you know, it, if you want to avoid the whole, like, cheesecake stereotype with Wonder Woman, don't turn it into a cheesecake book. I don't know. I just, I, I just find it amusing because the first the first scene with the new creative team, Wonder Woman, was like that, right? Yeah, she popped up so, and she was, you know, wearing nothing but a towel or something. She was a shower. Yeah, scene. right. So I think that needs to be – like everybody shows up like that. Yeah, maybe <laughs> like, that's just how it's done. <laughs> Wonder Woman, Donna Troy, oh, it's Harvey Bullock. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> like, that needs to happen. <laughs> And the towel is very small. Yeah. It's one. Of, it's one, he's in one of Aaron Shorty Terry yeah. bath towels. It's really more of a sock than a towel. <laughs> I don't know. I just uh, Justice League thirty seven. I, I I thought it was great. I thought it was you know. I, Jason Fabok is wow. I mean, they should have gotten that guy to start from the beginning on the title. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like Jim Lee more than you do, Aaron. But Jason Fabok just knocking it out of the park on the art. Yeah, no, it's beautiful. And that last page with Batman's cracked, you know, crushed mask, you know, and it's, I've been exposed. I'm Batman, and I've been exposed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you it's call just... a suit the hasbat? <laughs> <laughs> so great. And I love it. And he's like, uh, it was Robin's idea. <laughs> <laughs> It's just – it's such a good book. I highly recommend picking up Justice League, especially if you enjoyed Forever Evil. Uh, but 
can't recommend Wonder Woman. I, I can recommend skipping it. Huh. I mean, to be fair, I'm getting a, a lot of good Wonder Woman, Justice League, and Superman and Wonder Woman. I'm I'm okay with not picking up Wonder Woman until yeah, it gets really good. Yeah, I would love to pick up a good Wonder Woman book. It just hasn't yeah. been there for a while. Yeah, it's not this one. Doom decrees the following updates to the holiday calendar. Thanksgiving is now Doomsgiving. Easter, Doomster. Martin Luther King Day, Martin Luther Doomsday. So, Aaron, let's talk about our New Gods two-parter, New Gods double feature. Okay. So, Green Lantern, New Guardians number 37, continues the Godhead storyline. I was frustrated by this book. I liked this book, but I was frustrated by this book, Paul. Why was that? Well, you know, we ended the last chapter, the previous chapter in the Godhead storyline with this just amazingly cool scene with Jon Stewart standing atop a building over a high father with a snipe with his, you know, green lantern power infused sniper rifle, just essentially, you know, telling him, you know, I'm going to be hunting all you all you. All y'all, all you guys. And all y'all. All y'all. I'm going to be cutting all y'all. And, uh, you know, being a terror, you'll know no safety. I mean, it's just great. You know, I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm the, the, the most talented assassin from my world, and I'm going to kill all y'all. And that immediately goes away in this issue. I mean, it's like the his first contact with High Father after that, and that's done. Yeah. And I just I was like, you know, you guys set up something wonderful that that really resonated and it's done. I think it would have been had they introduced it earlier in the storyline, because I think yeah. what's happening is now we're nearing the end and they introduce that aspect. But there's really not much left in the storyline to flesh that out. Yeah, I just would have liked to have seen an issue with it. You know, I mean, just if there, I agree, it should have been earlier in the story and there should have been time for an issue of him just killing gods. You know, I just I really would have liked to have seen that. And yeah, and we didn't get to. It wasn't a bad issue. I, you know, as much as John no. Stewart kind of, you know, went down a notch. You know, uh, Kyle Rayner kind of picked up a notch. He he's portrayed a little bit more like the Kyle we know and love. Right. Um. So I, I enjoyed seeing them. You know, him and uh, God, what's her name? Carol Ferris, kind of you know break into Apocalypse or New Genesis. So I enjoyed it from that standpoint. I'm very curious to see how it's all going to tie together because, yeah, you know, I mean, Hal Jordan has kind of been on the sidelines most of the storyline. Yeah, we really haven't with, seen uh, much Hal. No, he's been dealing with a black hand. Yeah. So but, uh, this was good. This was a strong book. And, and, you know, with the exception of my frustration there, I did enjoy it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I and I, I think this Godhead story is really interesting. Agreed. I'm, 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 I'm glad we stuck with it. I am, too. And I got to tell you. Of all the the books I read this week, uh, DC and Marvel alike, um, and I, I do think DC had an amazing week in, in books. You know, from Batman and Robin to to Godhead uh, to the book we're about to talk about. You know, Earth Two World's End, an amazing week. And this book is gorgeous. Oh yeah, the art I is fantastic. Can, I, I cannot. I mean, we were talking about, you know, just pulling out word balloons, you know, from the Cameron Stewart Shazam book, you know, it's a, you know, just to, just to get past the Grant Morrison, the Grant Morrison ishness <laughs> of that book. Can't clean it out with bleach. But the, this book, I mean, the writing was spot on, the visual storytelling was spot on, and it is just visually told so well. I can't get over. And, you know, it's not cheesecake, but just how stunningly beautiful Big Barda is drawn in this book and Fury is drawn in this book. Mm -hmm. Um, I I, I love the depictions of Darkseid. I love the depictions of Mr. Miracle. The the whole book and the the choice of angles, you know, like there is a scene where – Darkseid is confronting Fury and he's got, you know, Mr. Miracle in chains. And it's just a very interesting choice of of how they shot that scene from her point of view, you know, crouched on her knees in front of Darkseid. I mean, it's just visually told well, uh, literally told well. I just it's just a fantastic book. And I love how the story's turning. I love how in this issue, spoilers on, Mr. Miracle realizes that not only is Darkseid terrible, but High Father is terrible, too. So he's going to side with the humans who fight for each other. And it was just so organic in the storytelling of how he came to that place. Because it's not just fuck you, Dark Side, it's fuck you, High Father. Mm-hmm. And god damn, this was a good book. What I like most about this issue is that it was focused. So, 
Yes. What did you think? What I like most about this issue is that it was focused. Yeah, it was. It was yeah, focused like on one storyline. We didn't top to six different storylines in the same issue. We had one storyline, the Mr. Miracle versus Dark Side scene. Yeah. You know, and and I maybe that's the way they need to do the book instead of jumping to four or five different scenes in each book. Focus on one throughput, then the next issue you focus on the next throughput, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um cuz th- that singular focus made this the strongest issue of the title so far. Yeah, I would agree. Um, cause I, I loved it, but you know, sometimes this book just, I feel like I'm getting whiplash because so much is happening from so, you know, so many different angles. And when you have like a scene in each storyline, ultimately none of them are moving forward very fast, but here there was a, an actual progression of the storyline. You know, if, if this had been a regular issues of regular issue of world's end, we would have gotten five pages of it and it would have ended, you know, halfway into the fight. And you know, then we hopped around to another storyline. This normally would have asked, lasted four or five issues. Yeah. This one book, but because they focused on it, we got a, a, a nice progression, and I enjoyed that quite a bit. Yeah. No, it was so, a good book. It was absolutely. really a good book. So thoroughly, thoroughly dug it. No, a lot of stuff going on in this book. So big win. Agreed. Yeah. So we've been very DC centric this week. Um, not a lot from Marvel this week, but there was one news item we wanted to chat about. Which is that uh, they have changed Spider-Woman's costume. And I don't like it. I object. <laughs> I'm, I, I don't know if this is as a response to the whole situation. Because, I mean, keep in mind, Spider-Woman's costume was rather modest before. I mean, she was drawn with big boobs, but, you know, yeah. she, she's, she, she didn't have a ton of cleavage or anything. Yeah, no, she wasn't Power Girl by any stretch of the imagination. No, I mean... And, you know, she's covered up. You know, now granted, it's a skin-tight costume, but it's not like she's flashing a bunch of skin. Yeah, exactly. And I gotta tell you, I love her costume. The, 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 you know, her traditional costume. Um, I I think it's the, I think, uh, yeah, it's, it's a really sexy costume. Um, I think it's, when you got the right artist on it, it is one of the most interesting costumes to see. Uh, I, I love it, I, and I, I, I hate the, the fact they feel like there needs to be a change, and I particularly hate the costume they're putting her in. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of it myself. I think it's it, uh, it's too too Batgirly. Yeah, it's, it's very too generic. Bat, yeah, it's very it's 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 too much like Batgirl's new redesign, which I think works well for Batgirl. I don't think it works well for Spider Woman. I agree. And so again, I don't know if it was as a response to the controversy or what, but not not a big fan. And none of us are reading the Spider-Woman title anyway, but... Well, and is it going to be an ongoing? Because I've not read it because it's tying into Spider-Verse, but, you know, I sure did enjoy the Bendis run on Spider-Woman. I believe Uh, it's supposed to be after. Okay. After Spider-Verse is over, I think it it will continue. Yeah. No, her... uh, It just... It reminds me... It's too much in the tradition of the the new Batgirl costume. Yeah. Which, I I mean, don't get me wrong. I like the new Batgirl costume. I do, too. It works well for her character. It's got a degree of whimsy that that character has. Um, I don't, I don't get whimsy from Spider-Woman. No. You know, and, and it's, this just, it's not ringing my bell. Yeah. Just saying. Well, you know what else isn't ringing my bell for Marvel? What's that, Paul? All new X-Men. Now, Paul, oh, yeah. how can that possibly be? Because I know you read like 30 issues last night. <laughs> I, I did. I mean, I, I, the last issue I read of all new X-Men, um, unintentionally, it's just because it's bi-weekly and I got behind, was I think issue 28. Something like that. And so last night I decided, well, I'm finally going to go ahead and get caught up. So I read issues 29 through 34, which is their newest issue this week. And I loved this book when it first started. I really did. And it's not a bad book, but I feel like it's just spinning in place. I feel like it's turned into the Jean Grey power hour because that's essentially the, <laughs> the, the only character they're focusing on. Um, and I just – I mean, this dimension hopping storyline, which it's not really dimension hopping. They're in the ultimate universe and they're trying to get out, which I don't know. I mean, the story again, the storyline isn't bad, but the book for me just feels mediocre. There's Uh, go ahead. No, you finish. I I think that's all I really had to say. I just I think I'm out. It's again, it's not a book that I dislike, but it's certainly not a book that's that's uh, above above uh, average for me. I've had very strong feelings about – positive feelings about this book. I'm out until they get back to out – of, out of Ultimate Universe because that's just not a universe I care about. So, I mean, yeah, I, I hear you, Paul. I I am too – I, I love X-Men out of time. I think we're two steps removed from that now. 
into the into the weird, and I needed to scale back a little bit. I uh, I like the writing on the book, but what I dislike is the decompression on the book. You know, it's coming out every other week. Seems like we should be further along. Yeah. You know, and, and instead of using this to tell more story, I feel like we're just spending more time in the moments. And it feels like, you know, these are moments that we would cut if we were going to be monthly in 22 pages. And yeah. so, you know, it feels like I'll, I'll give you a, 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 a different example on other media, Sons of Anarchy, because when they run a Sons of Anarchy show, you know, it's over now, but when they run a Sons of Anarchy show, you know, typically speaking, you'd have an hour long episode and you'd have 45 minutes worth of show, you know, minus the commercials. Well, because the show rates so well, they allow more time. So it runs an hour, 22 minutes or so, uh, giving you about, you know, 60 some minutes of show w- without commercials. Well, um, the problem is, is that the stuff they've added in really doesn't enhance the story. It's just scenes you would have cut otherwise. And I find that frustrating because I just feel like that's wasting my time. And I feel like that's what's happening here with Bendis. Yeah, I feel like Bendis had a great idea by bringing these characters here. Uh-huh. But at this point, I feel like that storyline is going nowhere. Yeah, it should have been it should have been a, you know, a one or two issues in doubt kind of book. I mean, think about how quickly Claremont told some of those stories, you know, like Days of Future Past. You know, those weren't 12 issue series. That was, you know, one or two issues and done. Yeah. No, and I'm sorry. I, I mean the general concept of the book. I mean, oh. you know, I, I mean the fact that the the past X Men are here. And don't get me wrong; we've had some great storylines with them, but we're now on issue thirty three. I mean, how long are these freaking X Men going to be here? I think they're going to be here until they're not interesting anymore. And I don't get me wrong; I love that aspect of the book. I love that they're here, and I love that we get to see them, uh, you know, juxtaposed against their current day selves. I love that part of the book. I just think that the stories they're engaged in aren't wrapping fast enough. Yeah, I don't. I mean, maybe that's what it is. Maybe if these stories wrap faster, I'd feel like there was more progression. Yeah. But you know, it just feels like, hey, we're trapped out of time, and you know, it seems like someone should be just dedicating their full time efforts to getting them back, and no one seems to be. Well, and look, if you if you look back at the book from the time they got here, you know, it, the first issue to issue thirty seven, you might be talking about two weeks of linear time. You know, in the way they've told the story, because I mean, like the first, oh God, I don't want to say like the first 20 issues of that book happened in, in a course of two days. <laughs> yeah, know? that's true. I, I mean, I, because you, know, you kept, because Bendis kept telling the story from different angles, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so you, the, the story is wildly decompressed and yeah, I like some character exploration in, in, in these stories, but I think we're, we're getting too much of a good thing. Yeah. I, I feel the same way. And I, I, I just feel like the book is, is middle ground for me, which it didn't start that way. So I, I hope they find its footing again, maybe after the storyline. I know, I think after this, we're going to get into the Black Vortex, which is the crossover with Guardians of the Galaxy. We did not pay enough money to get into the Black Vortex, Paul. <laughs> yeah, enough to get in the champagne room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but there is sex in the Black Vortex. Oh, There's no sex in the champagne room. I imagine. So, it's not exit only the black <laughs> One nation under doom. So let's talk a little bit about free comic book day. Is today comics free comic- are free? Is today free comic book day? Well, no. Oh. What? Well, I had mentioned earlier that I'm going to be in Florida for free comic book day. Uh, yes, that. Well, and so I looked online, and all the free comic book day books, all 50 free comic book day 2015 titles, have been announced. Huh? And there's – well, there's some interesting titles in here. So remember when Archie revamped their Gold Circle titles a couple years back? Well, now they're revamping it again. Is it Red Circle? No, they're Red Circle. Circle. You're right. I'm sorry, Red Circle. Okay. Now it's being revamped into the Dark Circle. Oh, dear. um, With writers like Dwayne Straczynski, Dean Hespiel, and Mark Wade. Um, art by Michael Gatos and Franco Francesco Francavilla. Francesco Francavilla. So that's one of the titles. Kind of curious about it. Um, Dark Horse is going to be releasing a Fight Club book. I don't know if you guys heard about this, but Chuck Palahniuk and Cameron Stewart are teaming up to do a comic book sequel to Fight Club. First rule of Fight Fight Club comic, Paul, is we don't talk about Fight Club comic. Oh, okay. Skipping ahead, then. <laughs> DC Comics has announced that their book is a top-secret project. It is probably, at this point, based on rumors, going to be Dark Side Wars number zero or Dark Side Wars number one. Because that's their big crossover for 2015. Gotcha. 
Dynamite's putting out a Bob's Burgers comic book. I don't care. Uh, Image Comics is putting out a Savage Dragon book um, written and drawn by Eric Larson. Marvel is putting out Secret Wars. I don't know if this is Secret Wars number one, Secret Wars number zero, who the creative team is on it. Um, but this is probably the introduction to their big Secret Wars event. And I'm excited about that. We know Jonathan Hickman's the writer on Secret Wars. This is probably going to be one of those, you know, I think um, last year was in, maybe it was last year, or maybe it was the year before, was Infinity with uh, Hickman and uh, Jim Chung. Right. Um, they're also putting out something called Avengers number one. But I can't tell if this is what that's related to. Are they re-releasing the Hickman Avengers number one? Is this a new Avengers number one? Is it, you know, the original Avengers number one? It's hard to say. It doesn't have the creative team or the cover announced. It just says it's Avengers number one. Huh. Maybe it's a movie tie-in thing. Oh, that's possible too. I mean, given that it's the day after the movie, it seems smart to release something. Right. Um, Valiant is putting out a 25th anniversary special. Uh, IDW is putting out uh, a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, prelude to their big storyline. So there are, are a number of interesting books. Um, you know, of course, the big guys are are announcing their, you know, or, or promoting their um, their you know their crossovers and all that. Hermes Press, which is the company that's currently putting out Phantom books, is apparently putting out a new Phantom book. Um, I know there's a, a Peter David written Phantom book that they're producing right now, but it's not available digitally, so I haven't been able to read it, but I've been really wanting to. Um, Avatar Press is putting out a Kieran Gillen uh, written book. Oh, it's his, it's his uh, new creator-owned. Yeah. yeah, Mercury Heat. Yeah, I'm hearing good things about that. It's his science fiction book. Sounds interesting. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, I, yeah, I've been reading about it in the back of Uber. Um, you know, he, where he, he, he talks a little bit about it. Um, I'm, I'm excited about it. I got to get caught up on my Uber so we can chat about it. Uber is so good, Paul. So there are 50 I, books I, in all. I'm I have sorry. to say, I feel guilty enjoying Uber as much as I do. <laughs> you know, it, it seems, I don't know, vaguely anti-Semitic. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I just, it, it seems wrong. I'm not rooting for the Nazis. Please understand I'm not rooting for the Nazis, but I sure am enjoying the book. Well, I need to get caught up on it. I'm way behind, and we can chat about it. Very good. So all that's coming in May. But next week in comic book stores, which uh, you know is actually Christmas Eve, uh, comic book releases, there's, there are a number of releases um, coming out, including um, a couple of annuals from DC Comics. We've got a, a Batman annual, which is an endgame tie-in. You have Green Lantern Annual, which is a Godhead tie-in. Um, a, a book that I'm excited about but that no one's going to read is He-Man, the, Inf the Eternity War. Um, That's true. Which is written by Dan Abnett, art by Pop Man, uh, covers by Stepan Sayic, or Sayic um, which is their, their big He-Man event that they've been building towards. Um, Godhead also continues in Red Lanterns number 37 and Sinestro number 8, so three Godhead books next week. Superman number 37, continuing the Jeff Johns, John Romita Jr. storyline. Uh, Pete Tomasi and Doug Mankey's Superman Wonder Woman title continues, issue 14, next week. Woohoo! Um, Robin Rises Alpha. I know, I'm so excited. This. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Really excited about that. Tim, uh, there is a Santa yeah. Claus. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Merry Damn Christmas. Right. Damian Wayne is your gift. I'm okay with that. In fact, I'm really okay with it. If you're into uh, S and M and bondage, I I am yes. <laughs> well, Stepan Sayek did a um, a creator-owned book called Sunstone, I believe. Yeah, Sunstone, um, which is about uh, you know a, a lesbian couple that's into S and M and bondage, um, and you know it's 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 not just about that. It's apparently also a relationship book, but the graphic novel comes out from Image Comics next week and apparently is already a bestseller. Um, people seem to be really looking forward to it, you know, like a Fifty Shades of Grey type thing, I guess. Huh. So that and, of course, a ton of other stuff coming out next week from all the different companies. Well, it sounds like there'll be uh, something to spend your comic book shop gift certificate on. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that sounds very exciting. Yep. Well, very good. Well, on the feed right now, right this very moment, this instant is uh, year seven of And a Little Child Shall Eat Them, the zombie game we play annually at Fear the Con. Uh I think that the recording quality is, is the best we've had in any of our con recordings, and i got to say it's a whole lot of fun to listen to. So if actual play or zombies or uh, just listening to a bunch of guys have a good time is your thing, be sure and check that out. And 
Also coming up on the feed in the next couple weeks, we have the sequel to our chill game coming up. Uh, you know, our chill game from Fear the Con 5? 6. six? Oh, yeah, five. no, 6. Yeah. Um, 6. Well, f- oh, this is the sequel. So what was the first one? 5? I don't know. It was the Curse of Contuk. That's all I know. Yeah, Curse of Contuk. The sequel to the Curse of Contuk is coming out in the next couple weeks here on the feed, as well as um, – I don't even know. We don't even have a title for it, but we played it the other night. The funny books game that we played. Oh yes, um, the the uh, non-essential personnel game that uh, James Abendroth ran for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, if you've been a long-time listener of funny books, there's a lot of funny stuff in there. A lot of inside jokes. We play as ourselves uh, in this role-playing game, and basically, uh, the the intent is to. to to help your uh, your fellow cohorts die as horribly as possible, which is really the point of this podcast. Really? So yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. What Wayne's not here, he died horribly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's hard to say who wins. <laughs> <sighs> well, all right, guys. Well, you know, the next time we talk will be post Christmas, pre New Year's. So you guys have yourselves a merry little Christmas. Big Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa. Doomus. Happy Doomus. Happy Doomus. Bye, everybody. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. smash this giant doom bot.